Hell yeah I'm the first I am back and not a moment too soon. Welcome to Sal's Talk we have a crazy blowout show for you with not one but two guests. Patty P is here to regale us with tales of skivvies and Polly W will follow suit by giving us the inside dish, baseball pun, on the MLB happenings. Gonna be a good one. P.S. Sorry I disappeared for a while someone poured a Dr. Pepper on my mainframe it sucked. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back yet again. I, I, I hope you guys are excited. We have a big, big episode for you this week. And it all starts with, on the other line, our esteemed guest. It's Pat Polk. Hey, John. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. How are you doing tonight, Pat? I'm pretty good. Um, a little bit tired. I had an uh, unusual visit from family today uh, that was somewhat exhausting, but I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks. What what made it so unusual and exhausting? Well, I, first of all, my parents live in Virginia, so I don't see them very often. And my sister technically lives in Chicago, but when she's working, she's a flight attendant, so she can be anywhere. And she li after COVID hit, she was staying with friends in Peoria for a couple of months. And Sounds then she rough. Went to yeah, and then to uh, visit my parents in Virginia for several weeks. And so she hasn't been in Illinois, well, in the Chicagoland area uh, for quite a while. And she actually ordered a car online from Minnesota and had it delivered to my apartment. And I received it. And my dad drove her from Virginia to us and she picked it up. So my dad and my sister visited me. My mom stayed in Virginia and we did a picnic outside and we hung out for a while and it was blazing hot. And the kids were good, but a little bit um, wired, and so it was just sure. a bit of a busy day. That's why it was weird. It sounds like a weird day. Uh, we must have some kind of deals on cars up here in Minnesota to go through all this work. I was surprised, yeah. And one of the reasons that she was going to Virginia was to find a deal. And so I, it never occurred to me <laughs> that she was going to have her friends from Peoria drive her to Virginia to car shop in Virginia and then end up just buying a car many hundreds of miles away and have it delivered to me. That was weird. What kind of car is it? Volkswagen, uh, like kind of a, it's, it's not one of the more common models. Uh, it's not like, it's like a crossover, like hatchbacky SUV -y thing. I don't even know the name of the model. It looked nice. It was like, looked like it was a souped up version of whatever it was. Um, it was red and kind of a uh, yeah, hatchback-y looking car. But it sounds like it's probably not something she's just wandering onto a lot and finding, hence the purchasing from Minnesota and delivering through many levels of delivering. Yeah, she uh, her friend in Peoria had one and she liked it. And so I think she was looking for the best deal of one of those. And then she happened to find it while she was in Virginia, but it was in Minnesota. I, I hope she's pleased with the car. It sounds like a cool adventure. Everybody got to got to hang out for a little bit, which is a mm -hmm. a rare joy during these times. So yeah. 
it sounds like it worked out pretty well for just about everybody involved. It sounds like the people in Peoria driving your sister out might have got hosed on this one, but everybody else they, had a good time. They know my parents pretty well. They visited a few times, and so they stayed for okay. a while. Uh, they oh, were that's hosting. better than I thought, then. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not purely a transactional drive across the country and then back without me. That's what I, I was picturing. Like, they just slow down, kick her out the side of the car, turn her around. So this is better yeah, than that. Yeah, They stayed a while, yeah. Okay. Well, then... then then everybody wins, and your sister gets this sweet-ass, uh, super-fast hatchback VW. I mean, what more do you want? Yeah. I'm getting jealous over here. Maybe, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you jealous. Well, I hope you make me jealous again, because it's time for me to ask. Eat anything good lately? Man, uh, as you kind of discussed with Jen, uh, Jen has been cooking a lot lately, uh, old favorites and trying new things. And so, frankly, it is actually hard to choose what particular good thing to discuss. Um, so I'm going to do one and a half. Uh, the half is just uh, Jen talked about the different ice creams that she's been making. And I, when you spoke with her, she you kind of latched on to the one that was the kind of everything that she made for mm-hmm. um, herself uh, for her birthday that had like the Rice Krispie Crackle and the uh, peanut butter swirl and the chocolate. Uh, and it was super good for sure. And chocolate ice cream. And uh, but she's made so many others as well. So the most recent one was super good. And it was a coffee based ice cream. And it had a um, pretzel chocolate toffee chunks in it. So it was, it was a lot like the um, Ben and Jerry's flavor that's like coffee plus Heath, uh, but it was homemade and it was very, very, very good. It sounds fantastic. Uh, that, I, I think we discussed this to some extent somewhere previously, but just that, that tell me again that toffee thing, what, what all goes into that? So it's homemade toffee. It's poured essentially to cool over like broken up mini pretzels and there's chocolate as well so it's like all drying and cooling on like a baking sheet so that it's a very thin layer and then you break it up and you mix it into the ice cream so it's pretzel chocolate toffee all in one pretzel chocolate toffee i mean oh my god that's all you need right there the fact that you're putting this in ice cream incredible but like like even if you just had some of that you'd be like this is a good day yeah we have so the per the the um recipe book that she has for these new ice creams that she's been doing lately is not the normal one as she said uh, and they really like mix-ins and so the recipes make we believe too many mix-ins so we actually have a little bit of everything left over so we have some of the pretzel chocolate toffee and I have snacked on it a little bit and it's delicious on its own without ice cream That's nice. sure. yeah that sounds really good so that was my half, That's a half. It's, it's a good half so I can only imagine what's coming uh, the other one, it's more of an entree, you know, a little dessert and a little entree. So the probably the most successful new recipe that we've done several times now over the course of the quarantine is a new recipe for black bean burgers. Uh, and so we've made very good homemade black bean burgers a bunch of time. And again, when I say we, I really, really mean Jen. Jen has made very good black bean burgers. And so um, that's what we had. We had some reheated uh, frozen homemade black bean burgers at our picnic with my family today, in fact. So let, let's latch on to that. I'm especially intrigued. So are you making like especially large batches and then freezing some of them for, for use later? I don't believe we're making like a huge portion. I think probably it makes, let's say, 
eight to ten. Okay. Um, wait, pardon? It makes twelve. Jen says, "Hey, by the way, uh, what book is it from?" It's double. So the regular XP is six. We make twelve. Okay. And what book is it from? Oh, America's Test Kitchen Vegetarian or Vegan. Well, it's it sounds good, and I will say I, I think Jen and I talked a little bit about the fact that the the effort to result ratio can be a little off for those homemade burgers compared to the frozen ones. But if you do like you're saying here, you double it, you get a bunch more later. You know, it doesn't sound like that much more effort, and then you don't you feel better about it because then not only do you have this meal and maybe some leftovers, but you might have if you, if you make twelve of them. Yeah, you're eating that for a while. And and uh, Megan's with us when we eat dinner, so you know there's essentially three adults eating them pr- persistently, and then we the kids will kind of split one without a bun or sometimes with a bun. So you know they they barely eat them, but we we adults eat them and then freeze a bunch. So yeah, there are always some frozen, and they reheat quite well. I, I like that idea a lot. I think I might be more encouraged to, uh, to to make the effort if I knew I was going to get a bunch out of it instead of just, you know, like dinner today and lunch tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Pat, it's time for our first segment. You ready for a segment? I'm ready. Hit me. What organizations... Did you belong to in high school? In like school organizations or anything, I guess. I'll hear anything, but I am thinking of school organizations. But if you were like a card carrying member of anything outside of the school, you can talk about that as well. Hmm. So interestingly, when I went to so, as most of you know, I went to IMSA, um, which is sophomore, junior, and senior year. So, I went to one year at Morris High School and then three years at IMSA. And I kind of, in a way, <laughs> like, was a, in a way a slacker on activities at IMSA. I kind of felt, I think in my mind, I kind of felt like, I'm working pretty hard at school. This is a very good school. And so, I did not do a lot of, like, padding um, so it was relatively minimal, I would say, uh, like one of the big things. So, you know, IMSA is a residential high school, so there's dorms. So my junior and senior year at IMSA, I was what they call a community developer, a CD, which is kind of like a, a junior RA. Uh, and so, because everyone at IMSA has to do work service, like three hours a week, um, it's just a requirement. And so like, if you get behind in work service, then you start losing privileges and blah, blah, blah. So it's like a thing you have to do. And one of the categories of work service is to be a CD, which is like doing activities, uh, and like planning stuff with, um, the, the RAs and, and taking care of everything. And so I was that for two years. That was like a decent amount of my activities. My, Sophomore year, the first year, um, I was on the soccer team. I was in, I was on soccer. So Morris was late to having soccer um, because it was a big football school and like kind of looked down on soccer. And so I was on, I was in soccer on sophomore year, but it was way too early running every every morning for like conditioning type stuff, and that super sucked. So I stopped doing that after sophomore year. And also, I'm not like very good at soccer. So if I was like 
amazing at it. I maybe would have kept it up, but I wasn't. I was in a play uh, sophomore year, The Real Inspector Hound, which was pretty fun. I don't know um, anything about plays. What's The Real Inspector Hound about? It was like a kind of like clue. It was like a goofy whodunit. Well, that sounds thing. good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, Were you, did you, did you like, did you, did you do it? Were you the murderer? I uh, had a small part, but the part was the Inspector Hound. I was the Inspector Hound. You were Inspector Hound. Hound. In the real Inspector Hound, but it's actually a pretty small part. Oh, so like uh, other people were pretending to be Inspector Hound, maybe. I think it was like, I, I think... I, it's actually quite foggy at this point, but I, I think I kind of like showed up late to the party and, and it was like kind of a bumbling doofus. A little Clouseau um, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But it was still fun. Um, I didn't, yeah, it wasn't like a ton of club things. It was mostly the CD thing, soccer. I, <laughs> I was, I did some trivia stuff, but I was not good enough at Scholastic Bowl to be on the IMSA Scholastic Bowl team. Because well, that's probably people, like the number one of the state, right? That's got to be like nobody's better than the IMSA Scholastic Bowl. They're team. pretty good. Math team and, and Scholastic Bowl, very strong yeah, teams. I would think. I didn't even try for math team. Either. There are some selection issues here. This might not be fair to those of us who live out in the western part of the state. There's like three people who know how to do adding. Yeah, adding. I was... Uh, yeah. I liked Scholastic Bowl a lot in Morris, but actually uh, I did it in junior high a lot. And then Morris didn't have a class. Another thing, Morris didn't have a Scholastic Bowl team at all. So I wasn't in it freshman year. And then I was like overwhelmed by the uh, the, the, na- the cutthroat nature of the um, IMSA Scholastic Bowl team. So anyway, kind of minimal, as far as I'm recalling, pretty minimal stuff. But the CD thing was kind of time consuming. Um, and that was kind of the main thing, I would say. I was a Boy Scout for a while that probably dwindled around. So I was a Cub Scout for a long time and a Boy Scout for a little while. So that probably ended around the beginning of high school. Okay. Um, I was I, did, I certainly didn't pursue it past uh, starting at IMSA, I'm pretty sure. Did you contemplate trying to become an Eagle Scout? Not really. Um, that was never in yeah, the cards for you? Not especially. And I don't... I think it was kind of like maybe... Like one of my best friends from college was an Eagle Scout and his he had two friends that were both Eagle Scouts and they were like way into it and it sounded maybe just like they had a way cooler you know troop uh, and like had way more fun stuff and so maybe I just like wasn't as engaged because the Morris uh, Boy Scout scene wasn't as cool perhaps I don't know. I have had almost exactly the same experience and that one of my best friends in undergrad was an Eagle Scout and when he told me about it, he was like, well, yeah, if I could have done that, I would have yeah. done that. That mm-hmm. didn't exist where I lived. Uh, nobody cared about this shit at all. But, yeah. like, the, the stories he told me were like, yeah, that sounds fucking amazing. I wish I had done that. But mm-hmm. um, your your friends weren't from Carbondale, Illinois, were they? They were from Sacramento, California. Okay, so not the same people. Uh, probably it's good, good that we nailed that. And that's, well, I guess people can move around. But probably not the same people. Either way, uh, so it seems like one of our big takeaways so far, Eagle Scout seems pretty good. Scholastic Bowl is probably fun if you can get on the team. But if you go to IMSA, you probably can't. How about this? Are there things, Scholastic Bowl or otherwise, you wish you had done? Do you like look back and be like, it would have been cool if I had been in the band or if I had done the yearbook or if I had done I was in band. You were in I band. was in band. Okay. okay. I was in the concert band and the jazz band. 
What'd you play? Uh, I, I view those more as classes than activities, but I guess they just totally are activities. Uh, I played tenor saxophone. They didn't. Another thing. So IMSA did not have football. Kind of the converse of Morris. Uh, they said no wrestling and no football for insurance reasons because the injury rates and stuff. You're, you know, all the kids are away from home. Blah blah blah. So so soccer was like the main sport at IMSA, okay. and there was no football. So there's no marching band. There's no like, uh, you know, field stuff so the, the all the bands were like concert bands so anyway i was in concert band and jazz band and i played sax mm-hmm. uh as far as things that i wished i had done perhaps i did not take full advantage of the resources available at imsa um there so essentially wednesdays were inquiry days they called them and there were no formal classes scheduled you could have some activities scheduled and stuff but it's really a monday Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, on as far as your actual academic classes are concerned. But you can either do an inquiry project or a mentorship project on Wednesdays. So you're either like working with a professor on uh, some kind of project long term, like a whole year long, or you're um, going off campus with a mentor uh, on Wednesdays. And I did neither of those any of my three years of because sleeping in on Wednesday sounded sure. way better yeah. than getting on a bus to go to Fermilab <laughs> at like, you know, six in the morning or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. But, but you now look back at this, like maybe you could have hung out with somebody cool. Yeah, exactly. Like I feel like maybe that was uh, in hindsight, it was a little, a little too lazy. It was, it, I was trying to get the right amount of lazy. And I think that was too far perhaps to not do any of those do you do you think maybe you'd be a physicist now if you'd gone to Fermilab? It is hard to say what would be different. Um, I was very nearly essentially it was like random. It was it was a very spur of the moment decision that led me to be a biology major at USC. Uh, I was just like filling out the forms at orientation, and I was strongly. I was like waffling between computer science and biology and they're like, this doesn't really matter. You can change it later, blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as I signed up for biology, I was like, okay, these are the like 10 courses you have to take within the first two years, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like really on the tracks to be a bio major with no real backing out of that unless I did a lot of work and probably maybe stayed an extra semester or two. So yeah, it, it, is very. I wouldn't be surprised if things would have been different if I had, like, more specific experiences at IMSA that I did not with, like, science and stuff. Truly horrifying to think about, right? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah, like... if you had said, you know what, I'll probably just go to Fermilab. You're probably not married to Jen and don't have a child with her. Yes. But now, obviously, yeah. we can't think about this stuff too much because you have no control over it in any direction. You just have to make decisions. You have to just do stuff. Yeah. But it, it's just mm-hmm. a fact that, like, you went on a yeah. different path. You would have met different people at USC, and maybe you would have hated physics so completely that it fucked you up in some other way, or maybe you would have loved it and you would have done nothing but. And then you don't need to go to law school because all you love is physics, and that's... Or, or I could have done computer science and just, like, you know, exactly. done, like, programming for the rest of my life. No, no law school, yeah. Do you, do you think he would have liked to be one of those programming guys? I think so. I like, yeah, I, I took some classes in and I liked it. Um, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was honestly like a close decision in my mind. Um, I think I could have enjoyed it. And especially, obviously, with my hobbies, it would have been cool if I was a programmer and I got into the games industry. Sure. 
all of those guys love their jobs. They just have so much fun every day, and <laughs> nothing bad ever happens, and they don't lose yeah. their jobs every six months. And then certainly, it's a burnout and toxic culture problem. Um, but it's one of those, just like we talked about, probably not on the podcast, but about like you know people who do like sports stats they get yep. underpaid because everyone wants to do it i'm pretty sure that like games programmers probably go into it knowing that the conditions are worse because it's like the one job that everyone wants in that industry yep. or a lot of people do anyway you could, you could just go code for some soulless startup if you don't like it and you'll yep. get more money than you work the same terrible hours yeah um i oh i have one more note I feel like I would be remiss if we passed this up. I should I should just say, I also played a bunch of saxophone in high school. There you go. What did you play? Uh, some tenor, but more alto. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I was in the regular band and in the jazz band. Now, in Avon, we kind of had a marching band, but it really only performed in the homecoming parade and at halftime of the homecoming football game. Um, yeah, and so we just we did so everybody. If you were in the band, you had to be in the marching band. Yes, so uh, we and, just had and, that garbage. Which I in in Morris, yeah, the the marching band was the band class. It was always marching band, and again, it was really a big football town, and so it was you were it was very intense about the marching band, and it was every home game, and it was a lot of parades. Uh, so yeah, it was it was very it was yeah. good. It was a good band. It was a really good band director. Um, it was a good experience for sure. But yeah, they were very intense about their marching. You say that we did have to do like a parade or two each fall as well, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, we were a good band like for our size, but we were not a serious marching band. And so we would go to like these parades, or every now and then they'd sneak us into some stupid marching band competition, and we would be like an embarrassment because like <laughs> we were not a marching band. We did like three to four events a year, but yeah, then yeah. like as far as the actual band, we would we would do very well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun. I liked doing it. I don't think I could play a saxophone now if you handed it to me. I think I would struggle yeah. to make the notes do it right. I mean, I, I certainly remember all the fingerings, but I, I feel like I would my embouchure would be so bad that I would not be able to make a note probably. Yeah. Um I, I, I think that's I think that's exactly right. But uh it'd be fun. I'd I'd I bet I could do like the middle notes. I could play like B H A. Hit those yeah. real hard. But then Yeah. They're like, how, how about this uh, this low C, and then it's just a squeak, and the thing flies out of my hands, and yeah. nobody will let me have it anymore. Yeah, probably. I, I, I We bought my saxophone, um, so I'm pretty sure there's a tenor saxophone in a storage unit with, like, 20-year-old reeds ready to rock. Uh, so probably just have to crank that thing out and get ready to go. My parents several years ago had a uh, were clearing Johnny's room out once and for all thing, and one of the things was that saxophone, and I was like, "It's not going to happen." I just, just I think my dad sold it on eBay or something. Yeah, I just it was I'm not a sax guy anymore. I was barely a sax guy then. I enjoyed I enjoyed tooting my horn, but uh, it wasn't enough that <laughs> I'm ever going to do it again. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm yeah. The chance of me ever making a single note again is practically zero. I think that was a successful segment. Let's move it along. Hey, Pat. Yes. What sauce are you bringing to the table this week? All right, man. I thought about this a lot. 
I you you mentioned before we recorded that I had been on a bunch and like you know it's been a while since I've been on and I think I haven't been on since this became a segment. I don't think I've ever brought a sauce to the table, even though I've been on this show so many times. I will tell you that I checked and that is correct, because I was like Pat is maybe Pat is a repeat. I might want to remind him what he did before, and that you're not a repeat, so you're, yeah, you can go yeah full of film. So I so now. Even though I have, we've talked so many times on this show, I, I'm kind of late to the party, and so I feel like some of the my choices have already been addressed. And I, I have, to, I, I, I want to tell you, there's no rule that you can't do repeats. If you, I know. Now, you know, no, if you want mayo and hot sauce, just take it. I'm not going to do that at all. What I'm going to do, so what I would have done if I were more confident in being redundant, uh, would be chimichurri. But okay. that was pretty much what Dave Armin did, and uh, Jimmy Tree is amazing, and it's I love it. I, I perhaps I was slow to uh, experience Jimmy Tree, but I'm pretty sure the first time I ever had, or the first time I remembered having it, was right after law school when I was living with my random from the internet roommate Steve, and he cooked a lot, and he made a steak with Jimmy Tree, and it was like mind blowing to me, and I've <laughs> loved Jimmy Tree ever since. And like almost any time that Jimmy Tree steak or Jimmy Tree something is on the menu. Almost every time that's an automatic order for me nice. yeah. uh, at that restaurant because I love it so much. But I'm not going to do chimichurri because, as I said, Dave Armand judged it. I brought a visual aid for our audio-only podcast. Very excited for me. Yeah, this is great. This is something also that maybe everyone knows about but I didn't know about until a few years ago. That, my friend, is a Chinese sauce. It's one of those where it's... It's a little chunky in a way that is like, if someone wants to be a super pedant like I always do, it might be like a in the liminal zone between a paste and a sauce or a condiment and a sauce. I'm going to call it a sauce. It is uh, Chinese fried chili in oil. And that doesn't sound like it could possibly be a specific thing, but I think it is a specific thing. I had it at my friend Zuyan's parents' house when they cooked a bunch of pretty authentic Chinese food. And it's really good. It is, um, yeah, so it's hot red chili peppers fried, so they're like they're like minced and crispy, and they're in an oil. And I think a, a, probably a trademark of this type of thing is that they're also um, peanuts in the sauce itself. So it's, it's spicy, it's oily, it has peanuts. Maybe everyone knows about this, I'm sure that some of our league does, people who are in Asian food and people who are Asian. Uh, but to me, it was a relatively a few years ago recent thing, and it was really good. Jen made a stir-fry a couple of times. We're also experimenting with trying to find the best stir-fry recipe. And so the second time that she made stir-fry, she had acquired the uh, fried chili and oil sauce, and we added that, and that really like brought it all together. It's the right, the just what it needs, the Asian type of spice other spicy sauces did not do it, but this did it, and so it really brought it all together. And so that is why I'm bringing the sauce to the table. It sounds like an amazing sauce. Can you hold that bottle up for me one more time? For sure. Oh, that's beautiful. I have a so lot this of one, doubt. Oh, good. Oh, so I was just going to say this one. Um, I'm assuming, again, I am not an expert. Uh, so this one's called, it, it says on it, Lao Ganma, L-A-O-G-A-N-M-A. I'm assuming that is the brand name and not the sauce name. Um, 
fried chili in oil. So it has a picture of like a Chinese grandma with a red label, uh, and it's a giant jar, glass jar of oil, uh, and it's really delicious. Also, in hindsight, after having it for the first time in a long time, I realized when I went to visit my friend Zuyan and his family, we haven't had it, and I remembered, oh, their second daughter has a peanut allergy, so they oh. probably have shunned this delicious sauce from their house, and so even when I get my authentic Chinese food fix, I'm not going to get this stuff anymore because they have a daughter with a peanut allergy, so I have to, you know, I'm glad that we have it in our house now. That That is a a fun thing that, that crosses borders. Everyone can be afraid that your kid will have a peanut allergy and fuck up your life. Oh, man. Like, no matter what so culture you come from, it's like, God damn it, no peanut allergy, please. Yeah. There's yeah, stuff sure. I want to eat that every parent has to worry. Yep, yep. So, fortunately, not a problem in this house. That's lucky. That's um, good. Both kids eat a lot of peanut butter. It would be a real, <laughs> we'd have to really substitute a lot of meals if they couldn't have peanut butter for sure. So, I'm glad that's not the case. And, uh, yeah. So, what, do you, what are your thoughts on my sauce? Have you heard uh, of it before? I don't know it. Now, you've, you've expressed concern that this is, this is played out. Obviously, your concern does not stand with me. Uh, I don't know shit. I don't, eat, I don't eat fancy stuff. I don't know about this stuff. So, we'll have to wait and see. I'm looking at you guys, Dave Artman and Bill Kalish. If you want to come in and tell Pat this sauce is played out. But I don't see it. I think this looks like, a, if nothing else, they will probably know this sauce. This is a good sauce. Everybody should be excited to eat it. I haven't had it. This seems very much up my alley. I'm going to be looking out for it. Now, can you give me one more time a good, clean read? If I go to the grocery store and I want to find this, what's this going to say on the bottle? I mean, definitely I think the key is the English uh, fried chili in oil. But this one is labeled L-A-O-G-A-N-M-A. Which I would guess would be like Lao Ganma. Okay. Without obviously any correct tone or inflection, just uh, flat. I heard that doesn't matter in those languages. Yeah, yeah exactly. You can just say them however you want and it's fine. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's, it sounds great and I'm excited to uh, check it out. And this sort of thing, like, uh, I, 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 like you say, just mixing into a stir fry, very easy to use. Mm-hmm. Which is something Absolutely. that I find myself, as we've been discussing, I've been more into just make a sauce and then go use it rather than like, I feel like I'm much better at that than I am at make some dish and then either want to still eat it again for leftovers or do something with it and make it into leftovers you do want to eat. I yeah. think I think the inverse is much better for me. Of just make a bunch of this good sauce and then use it in different ways. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like this could be uh, short stepping it there. You just buy this good sauce and now you just have a good time with it. Yeah, I'm excited to acquire fried chili in oil. It's going to be great. <clears throat> I know it seems like we just started. There's only two segments left. I'm ready. Now, one of these segments is brief. This is a new thing I'm trying out on the show. Do you remember, if you think about, like, great segments in Sauce Talk history, <laughs> let's see. One is the time, this is before we was called Sauce Talk, I think, but one time Paul Whitehair called a restaurant to ask them what ingredients were in the sauce. 
That's <laughs> he good. panicked. Yeah, that he was absolutely panicked. That was one of the good things, and yep. maybe the only other good segment you can remember that has ever happened was the time that I asked Jen if she remembered that she was just a monkey. Like, I think those are the good segments. And yeah. so I was like, I need, I, I can't just tell everybody, hey, mother, hey, Pat, fucking call somebody on your phone. Like, that's, yeah. I can't be doing that. But I can just have throwaway things that I thought of and that are just a segment and we just see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Here's this week's. How did it ever happen that we were just cool with the fact that in like the late 80s, well, like through the 80s and 90s, there were extremely famous athletes at the top of their respective fields named Magic Johnson and Randy Johnson. Those are just dick jokes. Those are not their names. Magic Johnson's <laughs> name is not Magic Johnson. And Randy Johnson's name, I confirmed, is Randall Johnson. And they're like, yeah, but that's not a dick joke. So you're going to be Randy Johnson. Why did we do this? Okay, well, it is absurd, obviously. I don't think... I think Randall to Randy is a totally legitimate short If his name, name was, was Richard Johnson, you'd be like, yeah, you're just Dick Johnson. Good idea. That's what you Some people are Dick Johnsons. That is a and, name that exists. And you know what they are? They're dick jokes. You turned your life into a dick joke. I mean, I think it's a high-risk maneuver to name your child Richard if your last name is Johnson like you're setting that trap at birth um, but I, I don't I don't think of Randy Johnson as a dick joke can I can I remind you do you know what Randy Johnson's nickname was yes that is much more transparent he was, the he was like you know what I it was a good try I, I tried <laughs> to get my point across when I said my name was Randy Johnson I'm concerned there's some like there's some kids. There's some people who don't does not get it. There's some people out there who don't get it. By the way, I'm also the big fucking unit. Here yes. I come. Um. Yes, I am aware of that being his nickname, and that is a uh, much more undeniable in my mind. Magic Johnson. I again. I. 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 In my perhaps naivete, I thought that uh, you know it wasn't necessarily a, a, a joke it was just you know uh, that is ma- being called magic is just a flattering nickname for your level of skill and the things you can do um i don't think it, it's like magic penis every time he does he did something on the court personally I, but i feel like if people called him Irvin johnson or Irvin magic johnson that would be the case but he just dropped the first name yeah, if, he somebody was very called, if somebody dedicated. said, hey, you're, you're a big fan of Irvin, you'd be like, do you mean Julius Irving? I don't even know who Irvin is. Like, no, that was Magic Johnson. Do you think it is, is it diminished? Do you think the fact that you, the claim that it is purely a penis joke is undermined by the fact that he, like, mostly went by Magic? It, I feel like... I feel like it wasn't always Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson all the time. Like, people just called him Magic a lot, I think. I think and, it, and I it's, feel... it's better than if it were only that. But given the extreme absence of the first name, minimal credit. Like, yeah. like he, he just switched his first name. Mm-hmm. 
So yes, it it was silly that that happened. I always thought, uh, you know, I don't follow baseball very closely at all. This is not a fair comparison because it's just a name. It's not a nickname. It's not even a a, a last a first name. It is, but how did people ever take poo holes seriously? <laughs> poo holes makes me laugh almost every time. That is a much sillier name than. Randy Johnson, in my mind, just the name Pujols itself. It is like that one is much more just a like translation issue, so it's different in that sense. But like, it's hard to draw one up better than that. I mean, I guess yeah. the Cubs had Kosuke Fukudome, whose last name looked like "fuck you, do me," um, <laughs> which is like also like if if you do start from the presumption that like. A child is writing up all these names, trying to come up with stupid jokes and be like, well, what's the stupidest thing I could write that looks like a Japanese word? What's the yeah. stupidest thing I could write that looks like the name of a Hispanic guy? Fuck you, do me, and poo holes. Is, that's what you'd expect to find. Um, not an athlete. A random guy who lived in Morris, Illinois. In my junior high class, or, or one class below me, there was a guy whose first name was Patrick as well. And his last name was Butts, so he was Pat Butts. And I thought that was a really poor choice by his parents as well. Pat Butts is not great. I think that's where we stand. Uh, we, we might disagree to the extent to which these are dick jokes, but if nothing else, what an incredible time to be alive. Absolutely, yes. Like, do you, I guess maybe, maybe we should cover one more thing. Could this happen again today? If Randall Johnson shows up in the major leagues and says, Hey, motherfuckers. I'm Randy Johnson, the big unit. Do we? I, I know there there was a story a couple years ago that somebody on the Texas Rangers requested to change his net number to 69, and they told him no. Do you think we would do Randy Johnson, the big unit now? I mean, yeah, I feel like social media would be more merciless if someone was coming up with that name nowadays. Um, it helps that both of those people were like top level talents. You know, they weren't middling players. Um, so perhaps they would they were confident enough to go with these nicknames because they had the game to back it up. I I guess the only the the test that I cannot answer for whether it could still happen is: Are there any even remotely similar silly penile nicknames? in the majors right now on any major sport. Um, I can't think of any, but I, again, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of the current state of sports. Uh, I certainly don't either, but I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. If but Nick we, Chubb had a really funny nickname, that would work, but he doesn't. We also, I just realized, have had this whole conversation and not mentioned the NASCAR driver, Dick Trickle. Yes. Which is another great. example of you you don't have to be dick. You went out of your way to do this. Is that what it, is that the standard? Like maybe that's what it is. I kind of think after talking to you, Randy Johnson could still be Randy Johnson. Like if his name was Thomas and he said, "Yeah, but I go by Randy." I think people would tell him no. I think Magic Johnson we don't do even though it's like, "Oh, his game is magic." Yeah, fucking right. Nobody else is named Magic just because they happen to play center and point guard in the same game. Uh, 
but I, I think you're. I think we could get. I think I don't think we do the big unit. I think we're a little more aware now. Yeah, um, that's pretty bad. Okay, what if, one last one? Could he? What if Randy Johnson was six foot tall instead of six ten? Do you think I think that matters? also would make it much harder to have that nickname. I, th- I, I think, think he could still be Randy exactly. Johnson, but I don't think he could be the big There's unit. a little plausible deniability when you're at the time, I believe. I think there's been a guy who's 6'11 since. I have no idea who. But I think at the time, 6'10 was at least tied for the tallest player ever. So you have some plausible deniability of like, my nickname should indicate that I am a large man. And it should be about how big my fucking dick is. But he says the <laughs> quiet part quiet and the loud part loud, so it's all yeah. fine. And he blew up a bird. And and he killed that fucking bird. And also, like, I, I think maybe the average listener, I, I want to be clear. Like, Magic Johnson, obviously, extreme, high-end, very short list of top NBA players. And I guess if we're talking about all baseball players, Randy Johnson is behind. But it's, if we focus in on pitchers, and especially if you have a extreme bias for pitchers in the modern era and think they have a much more difficult job than pitchers in the olden days, it, you can get Randy Johnson onto a pretty short list of the best pitchers of all time. So I, I do think that part of it is just he's that good. Oh, but now I didn't even think about this. I'd be very curious to know if Randy Johnson ever went by Randall Johnson in the major leagues. Because when he first came up, he couldn't throw strikes and he fucking sucked. That would be the real tell if you went back and looked and there's like baseball cards of him as like Randall Johnson, his first couple years. I think he started with the Expos and got traded. If like he, when he was no good, they're like, you're Randall Johnson. And then he got good and it's like, whatever you want, buddy. You want to write Randy on there? Tell us about your big unit, baby. And we love those fastballs. Maybe. Or maybe he was Randy because he was so errant in his accuracy. Maybe that. Maybe maybe his Johnson was just particularly Randy. Maybe it's all just truth. Maybe they're like, yeah, you know, live your life. I feel like these segments where I just say something weird and we see what conversation happens. Good segments. This is probably the third best segment I've done on the show. We have one chance left to top it. Unless... We do. We are going to do plugs at the end. Maybe you got a good plug that will literally be the best thing that's happened on the show. Not to build it up, but that'd be good. Please do. Uh, I make no promises, but I don't deny it. Here's our if one one chance to beat it. Pat, tell me about your history of underwear. <laughs> I'll give you a little build up in that uh, what I what I was thinking about recently is I wonder if I have worn an above average or below average number of kinds of underwear for any extended period of time. And I, I feel like most people, most men, especially in the United States, kind of find out where they want to go and, and stay with it. And so we don't have to go through, like, I don't, I, I'm not talking about, like, diapers. That, that stuff doesn't count. I want to talk about, like, when you remember as a child what you wore and then other things you wore and, and also if there's anything you especially enjoyed if you have a I will tell you I have a particular pair I guess I probably had like three pair of them but I do have a particular pair of underwear I especially enjoyed in the past that I do not have now so and this is one 
I will go through this with you. It's not just going to be you. We can talk about it. We can go about this however you want. First off, before we even get into it, how do you feel about this as a, a conversation topic? I think that uh, like people will have more fun responses than me. I think I'm, uh, I might be the wrong choice for this segment, but I will, of course, steam right ahead. Uh, I'm always, always game for your show. Uh, but it, it'll be pretty boring and <laughs> brief. Um, I've because... got an edit point listed here at 48.28 <laughs> to take out Pat's brief joke. I, uh, you know, I'm a relatively, uh, you know, private individual. I, I don't, don't talk about uh, lascivious matters very much, and 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 I will perhaps disappoint, perhaps bore, perhaps embarrass uh, the audience to say I almost for my waking hours, as far as that goes. I've pretty much been briefs my whole life. Uh, and so that is that is my main thing. Uh, I do typically and consistently sleep in boxers um, for comfort and coolness. Uh, but when I am awake and out and about, I'm, I'm wearing briefs. And I have been my whole life. I have to say, I think that's a pretty interesting answer. So you have like either two drawers or a drawer whatever you have i don't we don't that we'll get into that on another episode we'll talk about what you use to store your clothing when you're not wearing them but uh you have like one set of underwear for time to face the day and then when it's time to go to bed you switch to a totally different set yes i mean it's essentially like the equivalent of just changing into my pajamas. You know, I wear a night shirt that is not a shirt that I would wear during the day, like usually looser, and usually I care less about the condition of the shirt and boxers to sleep in. But, like, yeah. So that is a separate set. And there's way fewer boxers. I have I have not that many pairs of boxers, but a lot of pairs of briefs. Have, have you encountered any blurred lines during the quarantine here? Yes, of course I have. And I, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people have... There are many days that I will not change out of my pajamas and I'll work the whole day. And this is exacerbated by the having of the children. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it is a busy day. Um, so, yeah, there are days when I will just, you know, stick with the... And so if it's... So when I'm sleeping, it'll be just boxers and a shirt. Uh, and if I am pre-going to bed or just woke up but not changed for the day, I will often wear either some kind of lounge pants or shorts with the boxers, so I'm not just walking around in boxers all the time. Uh, and, for, you know, I also, not just because, you know, I don't care if my family sees me in boxers, um, but I really like having pockets, and I would not be very functional if I was just wearing boxers for a super extended period of time while awake. Uh, so yeah, there are many days where I have just had my boxers and lounge pants and night shirt for a day, and then obviously then that leads to me cycling through the sleepwear a lot faster. Because I was going to say that now you regret the don't need to have as much because all of a sudden, yeah. maybe you do. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, do you ever what What is your 
price range slash quality range? Do you give a shit? Do you spend any money on underwear? Or are you just like, what the fuck ever? It's just going to go through them and who cares? Yeah, I do not spend any money on my underwear. I There's like lots of items of clothing um, that I probably slightly overpay for. Um, like I have like slightly nicer than necessary like belts for work. Um, obviously I have to have some suits for work, but I don't get like fancy ones, but, but my underwear, underwear, undershirts, uh, boxers are all like the cheapest pretty much one. Uh, so I like, it's like, yeah, like Hayden's for the whatever. And, uh, one time, so I'm, I, because I'm so used to that, I've never like considered like the, like podcast you know let's I was try just mac weldon is on the tip of all of our tongues everybody listens to a podcast where they tell you oh i got these mac weldon underwears i'm i'm living my real life I'm like oh or fuck me you. undies yeah. yeah there's a bunch of different brands that are obviously way more expensive and allegedly way better um so yeah i'm like it is like alien to me to consider spending more on specifically underwear but again i'm irresponsible with money in many other ways so it is not a judgment that for people who spend more on underwear, it's just it hasn't entered the realm of things I care about spending money on. Um, so one time, like, you know, you go through, like, eventually they wear out. You have to cycle things in. And so Jen was going to Kohl's and she's like, do you need anything? I was like, you know, I could use some, I could use some more uh, briefs, you know, like that. I've, I've just, I've thrown out a few pairs. Like, I just need some new ones. And it surprised me. Kohl's, as you may know, uh, Kohl's shoppers like it is kind of a cheap store and they always have like 20 to 50 percent off sales like you cannot spend full price at Kohl's if you tried because they always have a sale and like maybe it's maybe there's a gimmick to the sale and you have to scratch out a card and so you get somewhere between 20 and 40 percent depending on what you scratched off etc but anyway you can't spend full price at Kohl's I think of it as a cheap store. They have very cheap undershirts. I mean, uh, sorry, cheap work shirts, like collared shirts that wear out kind of quickly. I've made that mistake. Um, the, my Kohl's shirts don't last as long as other work shirts as far as wearing a collared shirt goes. So anyway, I associate it as being a value store, cheap stuff. Jen bought like Hanes or Fruit of the Loom briefs from Kohl's, like a, and they were like, three to four times the price that they are oh, at no. Target or Walmart. I was shocked. She said, I got you underwear. It was, and, it, and I was like, oh, how much? And she's like, 25 bucks or something. I was like, that should have been like $10. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And we actually returned them. Like, I couldn't, I, I, it probably was like an, on the order of a $10 overcharge or something, but it was like a high percentage. And on, on the principle, I, made us return them because I could not abide by overcharging. So so apparently there is a racket for cheap underwear where it is like one of those things that they just think that you will impulsively buy with their other stuff and not pay attention to the price. So I do not recommend buying plain old boring briefs at Kohl's. It, it doesn't feel outside the realm of possibility that Kohl's just realized that like 50% of their underwear sales were women asking their husbands do you need anything and then the husband said yes and then they just grabbed whatever and they're like you know what we make more money if we quadruple the price and no one who's actually paying attention buys this and um i have been made aware over the years 
that women's underwear is lavishly more expensive yes. than men's underwear. So, like, Jen did not bat an eye at the inflated price because it was, like, more in line with what women's underwear costs, even boring women's underwear. Um, so she didn't think it was anything weird. But when I saw the receipt or she told me the price, I was like, no, this is unacceptable. <laughs> uh, as an aside, remember going to stores? <laughs> yeah. That was, that was cool. like that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, brief. I wouldn't be surprised if, for instance, Amazon has way overpriced underwear as well, because like they, they, a lot of like the consumables and the like convenience items in Amazon are slightly overpriced. So I wouldn't be surprised. I have never tried it, but I would, I wouldn't be surprised if Amazon like charges double for briefs. As well. That would make sense. Um, I, I am with you though. I definitely there are certain things, and as, as you say, especially like decent dress shirts. I've learned. You spend a little bit more, and all of a sudden they last three times as long. And it really makes a difference. And I guess what it probably is, it's not that hard to say, do I really desperately want to spend more and wear my underwear three times as long? <laughs> probably not. Replacing yeah. it more frequently sounds like it might be the better one anyway, and also yeah. less upfront cost. I'm, maybe we'll have listeners who are like, nope, it's so much fun to wear the the good underwear but the the, the fresh under, the new underwear is good i like mm -hmm. it when it's new and then if i'm in that i'm in that time period more frequently when i buy the cheaper stuff and just do it i am very similar to you i'm going to go through my history briefly because i did write it down i was thinking briefly <laughs> good one not a joke uh <clears throat> so my earliest underwear memory i had uh mickey mouse underwear that had a red band and then it was printed with Mickey's all over it. I really liked those. And so I had like, I would estimate, I probably had like, I was a little kid. Let's say I had nine pairs of underwear. And three of them were the Mickey ones. And then the other six were white. And it was like an issue when all the Mickey ones were dirty and I had to go to the white. And it'd be like, hey, yo, mom, time to do some fucking laundry, huh? Let's get these <laughs> Mickey's turned around. And, uh. That did not happen as frequently as I wanted, and so I was always disappointed when I had a day with just the plain whites. Uh, after that, I went to regular briefs for a long period of time, and then I had a brief dalliance at the beginning of high school with regular boxers, but never really took to them. Ended up with boxer briefs. The most notable thing, or I'll, I'll spoil the end now, I've landed back on boxer briefs. But I had a period of close to a year towards the end of high school where this pretty girl was like, you know what's fucking cool? No underwear. Oh, no. And I was like, yeah, man, you're so right. And so I just didn't wear underwear for like nine months. How'd that work out? I, nothing like bad happened. But so I, I don't I and honestly, I don't know what to make. Maybe I, maybe we're all just idiots. Maybe we should just not wear underwear. I was told it was fucking cool to not wear underwear. I did it for a while. And then honestly, what broke it was like me and the girl kind of had a falling out. And I was like, fuck it. I'll show you. I'm going to start wearing underwear again. And I <laughs> did. She, you know, I'll tell you, she never she never saw either side of it. Uh, but. Yeah, you ever you ever not wear any underwear? Like, 
for like by, a day, or like you go yeah, someplace. like never, never for an extended period of time. Like circumstances has have conspired for me to not wear underwear for a, a sporadic day or here or there, but it is not a it has never been a habitual situation for me. Did anything bad happen on any of those days? Oh no, no, there's never any problem. But it was definitely not my preferred. It was like I was dead out of underwear, or I was like yeah, like that sort of thing. It was not ever a situation where I was like, I will try not wearing underwear for several days. Let's pretend it's 2019 and it's a Wednesday and the laundry hasn't been done. What set of circumstances gets you to work with no underwear? Man, that is hard to imagine. I can't really... I feel like if I had no clean... uh, And this probably has happened. I can't think of an instance... But probably this has happened uh, where I have been out of my preferred underwear. And so I will, like, either wear a clean pair of night boxers for the day and be feel even a little weird about that because, like, this isn't what I normally wear when I'm at work. That's odd. Um, or worst-case scenario, wouldn't go with no underwear, would wear the previous night's night boxers before going with no underwear. How about this? Uh, you... We're a crazy guy, and you had all your underwear were dirty. You put them all in the washer, and then you get up the next morning, and it turns out you didn't start the dryer. They're all soaked. Do you take a sick day before you go in with no underwear? I probably... Or do you, do you try to go to the store on the way in? Yeah, like, it'd be very easy for me, specifically in my circumstances. There is a Target that is, like, on the way to the green line. I could easily walk to Target on the way to work, and I probably would, like, start the dryer, wear damp underwear to Target, buy some buy some underwear, put it in my bag, and then change at work to clean, dry, fresh underwear. Okay, so the, the dryer bursts into flames when you start, <laughs> so that's out. And then you get to the Target, and you're wearing, like... Suit pants with no underwear. You get to the target, destroyed in a terrorist attack. Now you should you should feel okay taking a sick day under those circumstances, right? Yeah, I would be pretty freaked out if the target a couple of blocks from me was really destroyed close. by a terrorist attack. So you could take a sick day before. I, that's not what I said. I said <laughs> I, the terrorist attack would be very concerning. Uh, Wait, okay. The terrorists come out and they tell you you have to go to work with no underwear on. The target is fine, but I've been personally terrorized. They're gonna they're gonna fix the target, but only but they're gonna put a wire on you, but it doesn't listen. It just detects whether or not you're wearing underwear. I have like a battle royale explosive collar, and if I put on underwear, the collar explodes. So then, are you gonna go to work? I would, I guess, under those specific circumstances, I guess I would go to work with no underwear, yeah. And then what if what if your boss is like... Take off your pants, are you wearing underwear? I don't they see don't, they, no, circumstances. No, that's outrageous. They just say, I wanted to know if you're wearing underwear today. I would probably, I mean, I would, I would probably complain to HR, um, but if I was forced to answer the question, I'd probably be like, it's the craziest thing. <laughs> <laughs> I ran out, and the target was full of terrorists. And I unfortunately am not wearing underwear today. Sorry. Do you think you have to wear underwear to work? If you found out one of your coworkers never did, would you be upset? I mean, I 
I would think it would be a little weird, but I, I'm sure there are some people who do. I don't care. I mean, I don't know if they're... My office is pretty small and relatively conservative. I'm guessing that no one at my work doesn't wear underwear. But uh, I, I don't think it's insane for people in general to not wear underwear. It's fine if that's their choice. That's what I was going to go to next. Do you think it's... So ignoring work, and let's even ignore, like... Throw out like it being like I'm sure some people are like, ooh, it's so sexy to not wear any underwear. Throw that out too. What if just someone decides they don't want to wear underwear? And like say someone not me, I'm not doing it. Someone just told you, like, yeah, I actually like we I actually don't wear underwear that often. Is that acceptable at all? I think it would be weird but I, I wouldn't like freak out about it, I think. I don't know. I so I it, I'm trying to envision someone I actually know actually telling me this and how I would respond. It depends like, on who it is, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Obviously. Yeah. But like, uh, let's say someone in the league. I'm I'm predicting, by the way, I would have guessed the default for people our age. And I don't know if this is be. I don't know if this is like a thing that changes over the years. Like people who are much younger than us but already are already adults, or people that are older than us. I'm guessing, well, people that are way older than us, probably it is different. But I'm guessing people our age and younger who are men are probably mostly boxer brief. If I bet most of the league is boxer brief. I think that is the most common selection. I um, agree. May, maybe, like, people who just graduated college, like, maybe there's the young kids these days are a little different. But I would have, I'm guessing that most adult men up to a certain age that is not that much older than us. Um, is probably boxer brief, and then once you get much older than us, is probably briefs for the older crowd. Um, but yeah, maybe if someone in the league is like, I listen to the podcast, and I don't wear underwear. Do you think that's weird? Like, I was, if one of our friends said that, I, I think it would be slightly weird, but I don't think it would be like crazy town. Okay, uh, you get that email or that, that email, that, that text or whatever, however they convey it. That comes What's out. It? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who said it? Who in our league is the most likely to not wear underwear? Mm-hmm. I mean, for sure, Aaron Louder. Right. right. That, that, <laughs> and, of course, he doesn't count because that's that's just a given. So, yeah. what I, I guess, Aaron Lauder, not at a point, but we're just going to stop that sentence. Uh, that's <laughs> unquestionably the case. That's true. Yes. He's, the, he, he's the person. If, if you think about everyone else, mm-hmm. someone who has had a period in the past where like actually yeah for like a year and a half I thought I you know what I'll be honest with you I was single I thought my my dick outline and my jeans looked better without it who is it I feel like it, it if you're just talking about a period in the past I feel like it could there's a there's a plausible options all over the place um I think Charlie could say that. Bill could say that. I think Alex could say that. Certainly Dave Hartman could say that. I don't know enough about Paula Vanzino to say whether or not uh, Bobby could say that. I don't think Lee would say that. Uh, I don't think Matt Schmidt would say that. But maybe. I don't know. I feel like almost anyone is possible. As far as number one, most likely, I will say maybe, maybe Alex. I feel like 
Alex is is not that I think that it is fashionable, but I think he is more fashionable than all of us. <laughs> and maybe he had a phase and he didn't. I, I like school. the idea, especially of just Alex and Artman as a tandem. Yep. As it being yep. like a 90s whisk, 90s oh, yeah. 2000s whisk. For whisk. sure, those would, I'm pretty sure those would be my most likely one and two, yeah. Artman was my was my lead in it, but then as soon as you said Alex, I was like, I overlooked Alex. As mm-hmm. far as like, I just want to look hot as fuck tonight, and I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, so, but are you saying that counts if it's one night? If it's like, this is the night? Uh, I, or are no. you saying if it's a well, phase? Well, it wouldn't count for... as if it were one night, but it would be like, I guess what I really am thinking of is a regular practice. Yeah. They'd be like, it's Friday night. I want everybody to see how good I look. Yeah. Um, I'm going to cut this out. I feel like that was probably happening a lot. Uh, but I, I, I was I was out of the game by then. Hmm. Um, how'd you like the underwear segment? Fine. Yeah. As I said, I, I feel like maybe I, I hope that other people thought it was interesting and not too embarrassing. But, uh, I, I think our answers are very straightforward, mm-hmm. and, it's, and especially yours. We all land where we land. Now, how about this? One last thing. I kind of feel like there should be one more really good underwear option. Like, do you yeah. think we're missing something? Like, briefs and boxer briefs are so similar. It's it's such a minute difference between them. And then boxers are like that's actually a difference, but it's still pretty. Should there be like one like? Do you think that like obviously the easy answer is thong slash banana hammock? Like, do you think maybe those are comfortable? Maybe that's what's good. Maybe we're just we're just missing out. That's difficult to imagine if it is like the most comfortable. I feel like if it was the most comfortable, it would be popular. I don't know. Um. Yeah, I mean it's it's just there's only so many different variations. It's it's hard like someone who's going to reinvent the game where it's like I never considered this level of tight or loose underwear. <laughs> like this is precisely in between the the known variants and therefore I've cracked the code. I guess I'm not I'm not surprised there aren't more options because it seems like a pretty well-worn territory with a very finite number of options, unless there's really something left field that I can't imagine. I think aliens, bipedal aliens from another planet have completely figured it out and it's amazing and we'll learn it when aliens visit Earth, but I bet the problem is that there is a next level of comfort and convenience, but it requires like you don't just buy a size. You have to. Buy, it becomes bra sizing, and you have to buy like something specifically the size of your package that is like a cup. And like it won't necessarily be like rigid like that, but it, you're gonna have to fit it that way. And as we all constantly hear, bra purchasing is a disaster. Everybody wears the wrong sizes. Nobody knows what to do. It's just too complicated. So you either get just like everything. You're wearing boxers and everything's loose. Or you're in some type of briefs and everything's just kind of up against. Because we're not interested in going down that road. It's too hard. And I think men are insecure. And exactly. Uh, nobody wants to go in and do the thing and like find I, out. I wear like, an A cup. Yeah. yeah. That, that would be... Like, it would start at C for men. Yeah. There'd be like C, D, E, and F cups for male pants. Because no one would admit to being an A cup. 
not a good road to go down. I think we're, yeah. we're probably where we ought to be, but mm-hmm. I, I I do wonder if we're not missing out somehow. Either way, it's been a great segment. I agree. Damn, Johnny, I take a couple weeks off and now you've got me popping up for half the show. This is some bullshite. Oh well, I guess we'll just tell your kindly listeners that this is the fun transition to some fun baseball stuff with Paul. Pat will be back thereafter for plugs, I promise. Ladies and gentlemen, there's time for one more bonus guest. This is a special thing. We don't usually do this. We're changing things up a little bit, but I want to make it clear. This is a response to listener feedback. This great man once said, you got to give the people what they want. This is this this podcast is a back and forth. I, I give you guys this beautiful content, and then you guys tell me which parts are fucking good, and you get more of that. And if you say you like something, well, guess what will happen? You'll fucking get more of it. Not too long ago, I did a podcast. I talked to somebody about baseball for a while. It was pretty fun. And then Mike Huber was like, man, you guys should talk about baseball some more. Got to give the people what they want. On the other line, it's Paul Whitehair. What up, Johnny? Oh, boy. You're real digitized. You sound like one of those daft punk guys out the gate, but I think it's going to be okay. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well, man. Got off uh, Got off early. Um, probably shouldn't have left early, but hey, I wanted to talk to my friend John. I wanted to talk baseball. If we don't give Mike Huber what he wants, then who are we? What are we even doing here? What is this podcast What are we doing? For? Yeah. No. And so, but let this also be a lesson to the rest of you. You got an idea for the podcast? You hear something you like? Say, hey, dipshit Johnny, fucking do that shit again. I'm probably going to do it. Yeah. So uh, that's an open yeah. invitation, but then reason. Um, now, this is, this, is just a, this is just the end of an episode, just a small part. So we're not going to go through everything. This is not a full episode. But I, real, I will briefly ask, hey, Paul, what are you drinking? John, I am drinking a, uh, I'm going to show you, not that anybody can see it. It's called Nine-Tailed American Lager. It's got some cool artwork, which I know that we're always fans of. I like Good that artwork. a lot, yeah. It's from, uh, it's from Pollyanna Brewing, which uh, um, is based out of Woodridge, which is right next to Naperville. And I think the people that uh, started it went to uh, high school with Rebecca. Nice. So we've had a couple. We've had a couple of their beers. They're pretty good. This one is, uh, you know, not my absolute favorite. So about halfway through the podcast or halfway through the segment, I'm probably going to switch to uh, Blake's Habanero Mango Habanero Cider oh, um, after I'm finished with this one. But how about you? What are you drinking? What do you got? I saw you got a glass there. I do have a glass here. Uh, this is the glass. That's not very exciting. It looks like beer. But I am drinking uh, the Double Dips Double Hazer from Dangerous Man Brewing. Oh, that's that's a very cool. Is, a, is, that, is that a bigger can than is that a not a twelve ounce can, right? No, or this is, is a, this is a crowler. So this is seven hundred okay. milliliters. Yes. I was I was thinking that it either had to be that or John has the smallest hands I've ever seen. It's like a reverse Andre the Giant. Exactly. Yes, the can just towers over my poor feeble fingers. It's all I can do to lift it. No, that is a a large can, and my hands are 
they're plenty big. Everything you need to do with hands, I can do with my hands. I don't know why it even comes up so often. Um, now, I was going to ask this if it was a regular can, um, but I'm just going to ask it anyway. Are you a, you get a can of beer or you get a bottle of beer, are you pour, if you're at home, are you pouring it into a pint glass or are you going to just drink it out of the vessel that it came in? Uh, obviously, it's, un, it's uncomfortable to drink out of a crowler. I never would drink out of a crowler. Uh, in general, I like to pour into a glass. If I am drinking okay. something that, I, do, I think at this point I would prefer to not ever drink out of a bottle. But as, as far as cans, um, I will usually pour, especially if it's something I think of as especially good. But if it is something that's like crushable, that I'm just going to sit there, perhaps like the American style lager you are drinking now is very much the sort of like, right. I'm going to drink four of these in a row. I'm, I'm just going to grab the can and go for it. And I'm not too concerned. I, I, that's pretty much okay. where I stand. Okay. Uh, the bottle I just find very uncomfortable. I don't think I ever want to drink out of a bottle again. Really? So I don't, my wife always pour or always likes it in a glass. I think that it's just in my head, but I think there's some science. I mean, I, there's science behind it, but I think that it, I don't like when it gets in a glass. Cause I think it gets a lot warmer, a lot faster than if I kept it in a can or a bottle. So I always keep it in a can or a bottle. Um, if I, you know, um, if that is an option. I think it would be very surprising if it, I mean, I, it just, just thinking about what you're doing when you pour it into a warm glass. And I also, that's another thing. I don't like a cold glass. Sometimes people give you that chilled mm. glass. I'm not into don't that like either. It. I don't want it. Interesting. Um, I, kinda, I don't mind it. I like stuff a little warmer. Like I kind of don't I, mind drinking like a warm diet Dr. Pepper. I might just be crazy. No, that's very upsetting. Yeah, because this is obvious. I don't drink warm beer, but uh, and also like I wouldn't want like a warm Coke or Coke Zero, but a a fruit soda, an orange crush, at room temperature, a okay with me. So if I, I say John, I've got a, I've got a room temperature orange crush that's just been sitting here for a couple of days, so it's hundred percent. The, the room next temperature. one could be a million dollars, and I'm taking that orange crush. No, or or I've got a one that's in a refrigerator. Oh, it depends on how I feel. If I if 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 I like today, it's pretty warm. Especially, it's less warm today, but especially here, it's been hot lately. I want that cool, refreshing drink. But okay. if I if I'm in a good temperature and I'm not concerned about it, I I think I probably do prefer the room temperature one. Now, um, I don't I, I don't necessarily keep stuff. Like most people don't want that. And so I keep stuff in the fridge to be a go-along guy and make sure everybody's uh, everybody's going to get what they want. But if, they, if if there's like a little bit in the cupboard and then there's some in the fridge, I'll be like, well, if I take one from the cupboard, I'm leaving all the rest for the people on the, who want the one out of the fridge. And then I get to drink it. I'm, I'm, glad, that you, I'm glad that you put some in the fridge because if I went to your place and you gave me like a, like a room temperature Sprite and then didn't immediately follow it, follow it up, with showing me where the like ice was, I would think you were a monster. I think I used to have, I used to have like in high school slash college, I had pretty sensitive teeth, but then I used Sensodyne for a while and I just stopped having Sensodyne. First off, any scientists in the audience don't need to hear back. But my perception, what I have, what I, 
what I believe has happened is I used Sensodyne for like six months and then my teeth stopped being sensitive and they never got sensitive again. Oh, sorry. Pat's calling in. He wants to comment. Okay, um, I'm going to do this. Let's actually do this because let's go far enough. You have to be me and Paul will just be gone. Wait, so what do we do? I'm going to be Pat and then you're going to be John. Okay. Okay. So we're just going to we're going to go right to Pat's calling in and I'll just cut into the silence. This is about 11 minutes. Hello, John. Pat here. I wanted to call and let you know that it doesn't make a lot of sense what you're saying. Those effects should be moderately uh, uh, of any time length at all. There's no need to think that there would be any sort of extended non-fading experience there. So, Pat, you're... Pat, no, wait a minute. Me. This is you being me now? I I don't know how to do your voice. I, I feel like just, I, I fucking nailed Pat to the wall. You really did. And you're you coming really back did. with nothing on John Rhodes. No, don't write anything in your notebook because I want you to keep this in. Guys, if you can do a John Rhodes impression, leave me a voicemail. If one of you call in the couple days after this, I won't answer. I want to hear if anybody can do a convincing John Rhodes because I feel like he's got a hard voice to replicate. Also, I can't do impressions anyway. Except, no need to explain. Let's just hear it. <laughs> that, I'll no, tell I you better, what it is if it's so fucking I, I, good. I, I better not. Let's, let's not do it. <laughs> that that would want, have been the part that I had to go back and edit. Yeah, if, if, yeah. I, if, I, if I ever lose my mind and run for Senate, I don't want this to pop back up. That's smart. Yeah, I, I agree. I would be happy if you were a senator. So let's, let's do what we can to preserve that possibility. Um, that feels like a segment of, uh, what you drinking? Uh, next segment, let's actually talk about some fucking baseball, except I guess it's also, we're talking about the absence of baseball. Let's start all these guys, not all these guys. There's not actually that many so far, but we are starting to see some players and some more prominent players starting to, uh, opt out, decide that they are not interested in participating this season. Um, Buster Posey, the big name today. David Price already done it. Uh, let's uh, see. Ian Desmond. He, and he also had like the fantastic comments on Instagram. I don't know if you read that, but it was. No. Uh, you should. Anyone who hasn't should go look into it. He had a lot of really interesting stuff to say. Made me respect. I didn't have a particularly strong opinion about Ian Desmond before, and now I would say he is uh, one of my favorite baseball players. Oh, I'm happy. Uh, so good stuff there. I think Mike Leak is out. Uh, yeah, Felix but... Hernandez, oh the the Nationals guys, Ryan Zimmerman, and uh, uh, Ross guy and Wellington Castillo. Oh, Joe all, Ross. Joe Ross. It's Joe Ross and Tyson Ross. One right. of them's on the Nationals. One of them hadn't signed anywhere. Yeah, he was on the Rangers for a while. Yeah, right? I think Tyson that's Ross. about the list. I don't know if we're missing anyone else. Oh, Nick Markakis and, and somebody Marcakis. else. And so, yeah. yeah there was a whole like bottom line scroll of like former all stars that were opting out, um, and I know that you know he he's I, he's not going to opt out, but Mike Trout has been very vocal about how nervous he is about it, and I mean it, he won't I I don't think he'll opt out, but man, what a blow for Major League Baseball uh, 
would it, you know if he were to opt out. A lot of the players who have opted out um, have expressed concern about either having very young children or being about to. Like Trout's wife is due to give birth in August. Right. And so he's discussed, you know, like, what if I go do this and I test positive and I can't be there because I I can't go hang out at the hospital because I have the fucking coronavirus. Right. And uh, Buster Posey today said that he and his wife are adopting two children who were just uh, prematurely born and so he's like I'm obviously not going to fucking go hang out and see if I get the fucking coronavirus so I'm out right um, I mean I I don't blame them because if you if you think through the logistics of it there's no real way I mean I don't care if you even do like a bubble like the NBA is doing like the people that ser- you know service the bubble or I was gonna say, it's a bubble working, for some people and then some people just right, fucking in a go restaurant, home and like see yeah, they're going home and then they're coming back into the, you know, into the uh, quote unquote bubble. And like, that's even more controlled than what baseball yeah. is going to do. So I certainly don't blame anybody for holding out. Now, what's curious, John, and I don't know if you've read this. I had apologies. I haven't. Are they are they foregoing a salary if they hold out? I believe if you demonstrate that you are at, at risk, risk you do not forego a salary i don't now i now the circumstances where like what if your significant other is at risk or you have a right. child who is at risk i don't know how that works i believe for the most part we like honestly if you look at it, it's mostly been higher paid veterans which is a sad truth of this is that they feel right. more comfortable i also I, i'm fairly confident because i want to say it was Mookie Betts was talking about how, in a lot of ways, being able to opt out is a luxury because he, if he were to opt out, he would not get service time this year and would not be a free agent after the season. And like that is a much more severe penalty than foregoing your salary. Right, exactly. I mean, for someone of his status to be right on the brink of an enormous payday... Yeah, and then to just say, "Well, nope, you didn't play those sixty games, so fuck off," and you just play another year for the for, not the minimum, but for like eighteen or whatever, right? Instead of actually getting your big contract now, um, it's a mess. Did you see the either the Joe Madden comments or the internet controversy around the Joe Madden comments about Mike, Mike Trout? Uh, I did not. Uh, this was inter- this was like a week ago. So uh, Bob Nightingale is like the shittiest baseball writer there is. I know him well. Uh, he tweeted out that so obviously there's all this stuff about Mike Trout expressing concern, saying you know I I, I think I'm going to play, but my wife's about to have a baby, and I don't like it. I, I can't tell that we're doing everything right. The early testing stuff here has not been perfect by any means. It hasn't been close to it. And then Nightingale tweeted out that. Joe Madden said that uh, the only people who should opt out are the ones who uh, don't really care about the virus and they should just get lost. And it really sounded like he was explicitly saying that Mike Trout should not consider opting out. And, it, and everybody was like, boy, this Joe Madden guy's a shithead. And I kind of do think Joe Madden is a shithead in a lot of ways. But eventually the actual context came out. And I thought what Joe Madden had to say was actually really interesting. 
And it also completely countered to what Nightingale tried to portray. So everybody got, eventually the end result was, everybody was like, oh, Bob Nightingale is still the worst. But what <laughs> Madden really said when he went through everything was that the people who need to opt out are the people who don't respect the virus. And if you aren't afraid of the virus and you aren't going to 100% commit yourself to keeping you and your teammates and your teammates' families and the people who work for the team safe, you need to opt out and stay away. Yeah, and I no. think that's a really good way of thinking of this. Is that First off, we, I, I think we shouldn't be doing this. I think it's a bad idea. But Agreed. if you're going to do it, like, God damn, if you, if you say, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do this, you had better follow every rule completely. Exactly. Because there but, are so many people relying on you and trusting you. And if it's too hard for you, go do something else. Go hang out yeah. someplace else and get the virus. And don't come in and spread it to these people who are relying on you to not do that. Right. I... It's kind of like the, uh, I mean, we don't need to get into a rabbit hole of this because I think we've probably all talked about it ad nauseum, but about like people not be willing to, it's the, the mindset of people not being willing to wear a mask. It's like you wanted all the, you know, you wanted the bars open you, or, you know, bars is a bad example, but you wanted restaurants open, you wanted beaches open, but you're not willing to put in any kind of modicum of effort mm -hmm. to allow that to happen. You wanted all these things to happen but you're not willing to take the steps necessary to keep people safe. Even if you don't care about yourself, you don't think you're going to get sick. Like at least if you want things to continue progressing and opening up, which is, which I'm not saying is a, a good idea. I think it's obviously way early, but some people you know, want obviously want that to happen. It's like then put in the effort to do that. And I think it's the same thing that, you know, yeah. the inverse of what Madden was saying or on a very, uh, like similar path to what he was saying, but there's going to be, you know, like you think of like, you see like guys like Aubrey Huff, you know, there are players that are like that stupid mindset that mm -hmm. are still playing. There's gotta be right. Like, and if there's guys like Aubrey, can you imagine Aubrey Huff being in it right now and being in the level? Like he wouldn't be, he would probably be going to get it as like a, some sort of disgusting prank. He'd probably be like those, uh, that at those Alabama parties that you heard about where like people <laughs> yeah. were like, get up like, Whoever gets COVID first gets $1,000. Uh, did you see, this has been a while now, but did you see the video that went around back in like March or April of the guy who got on the plane? It was like a plane, a flight from Toronto to Jamaica. And he was like, uh, it was just about to take off. And he stood up, he was like, every attention, can I get everyone's attention? So first off, like, I assume you're a terrorist. If you... Stand up on the plane to say, I need everyone to listen to me. He said, I just want to let you know, I have coronavirus. I just got back from Wuhan. Uh, and it was it was a lie. He made it right. up. None of it was true. And then, like, obviously he got charged with a bunch of crimes. But, like, they had, they had to cancel the flight to figure out what yeah, to oh. fucking do. And then uh, they asked him, uh, what was that about? And he was just like, I was trying to make a viral video. I thought maybe oh, I'd go wow. viral. And he claimed uh, he had done something similar once before because he, uh, a previous time, he had made an internet video where he got on a plane and was just about to take off. And he stood up and he said, everyone, get, can, everyone can I have your attention? The new Lil Wayne album is out. You should all download it and listen to it. 
He didn't. Th- and he didn't think that was. And so he was like, "That was good." Enough. I do stuff like this all the time. For example, I tell people to download the Lil Wayne album, or I tell people I have the coronavirus and I'm exposing it to you right now. So, what yeah. did you see? Did you see the video? And it was like at the beginning of the the pandemic. It was probably March. Uh, I didn't think it was someone in New York was riding the subway and they had like a big old thing of cereal, like comically. And the whole it was he was trying to make a viral video of like him with milk and everything. He like spills his cereal everywhere and he doesn't have a mask on and everybody's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, this is disgusting. Like, obviously, there's a lot of serious shit going on and you're trying to make some fucking viral video where you're not even being like you're not being safe about it. It's the dumbest thing in the entire world anyway. Not great. Um, do what else? Let's talk a little bit. This is only tangentially related. Uh, have you seen... What do you think of the schedule this year? You're playing a 60-game... Well, first off, every, everything we say is couched in... They think they're going to do this. We'll see what happens. We'll see how much... Is the start date still... the like- the 23rd or something? 22nd or 23rd? I think it's something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't... I mean, I know that, you know, it's so obviously so compact. I think the Indians play... Uh, the soon-to-be Cleveland Naps play, like, 17 days in a row or something like that. Yeah, I want to say the Cubs. I mean, obviously they. I, I want to say the Cubs start with like twenty-two games in twenty-three days or something like that. Um, it is. It's obvious. Like they have, they have a different roster than usual, and I'll be honest, I don't fully understand how the roster works. No, and like there's so there's so many people for each game, but then there's also this taxi squad who's basically around, but then they're like, we can't actually put fucking 50 people in the dugout because it's good. they'd all be sitting on each other's laps and that's not a great right. plan right now. Um, but apparently the players are all convinced this will be fine and that be, due to the uh, extra extra players they will be able to squeeze this out. It And the travel is more limited. I'm sure you probably saw the maps that were going around of what the travel looked like for the different teams. Yeah. It's a good time to live in the Midwest with all these yeah. teams next to each other and nobody far away. The maps you see of like the East Coast teams are all cool. And then they all have to fly down to Florida and back. And the West yeah. Coast teams have that huge thing and they have to go out to Texas. They should move uh, the they should move the teams out of Florida. That's kind of where I was going is looking at all this stuff makes me think that this isn't really thought through or they're being disingenuous. No. Why like why can't we just play all the games in like four places? That it, and that was being floated out there for a while. Yeah, um, but they. I mean, the, but in the two worst, the worst well, places. Yeah, they we can't. Go, I don't want to Florida use Arizona, the but, training facilities, given what we know. Right, but yeah. you know, like, you know, I my a couple, you know, a few minor league complexes, more remote uh, minor league complexes. I thought would be a better idea. I know, but then you get into, you know. The whole thing that the NBA was talking about I was like, "Hey, you're going to bring your family because this is a longer seat. You know, this is a longer season now. Are you going to be going back and forth between if you have family between home and then back to 
you know, Johnson City, Tennessee, where the minor leagues, you know, where the minor league stadium is. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, I think you, I think you said it earlier. I think that it's just, it's a, I mean, I want baseball. I know you do. Like, I like to watch it, but like, I, I do think it's just a bad idea. Yeah. I, I also, the more I think about it, I think all these teams think that they're going to have fans in the stands eventually. Yeah. I think that it, it just doesn't make enough sense to maintain playing all the games in all these cities unless you think that, like, September, everything will be fine. Everything's right. going to be A-OK, and then we'll, 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 we'll distance by only having 10,000 people there. You know, one of those CDC-recommended 10,000-person gatherings that they're just constantly, like, right. make sure you get in the middle of a 10,000-person crowd. But I just it, otherwise it just doesn't really make sense. Even something like just cutting the number of cities in half and telling right. half the cities like like you say the teams in Texas and Florida and Arizona, California's Hargis are so many teams there. But like why can't we just say well like you are like Minnesota's doing pretty well, so just tell the Marlins your home field is Minnesota this year. Right, yeah. And f figure it out. If you want to take your family to Minnesota, that's not really any different than having your family being in Miami. So that's what we're going to do. And, yeah. and, and try to spread things out that way. And the fact that they're not doing that, I really think, which is like the minimum, I still think right. putting all the people up in Nebraska. And, and how, how hard is it to build a fucking baseball diamond and put some cameras around it? I feel like we could build right, yeah. like five good baseball fields that don't have any seats so they're easy to do giant dugouts you can put all the people we want in there hell build the plastic shields between them if we had started doing this in like april it'd be done now but john marketing idea for you to your point let's just have all of the games at the field of dreams in iowa oh boy i'm not even that far from dyersville i could get right down there you could get there Oh, I just and they'd be like, "Well, we got to do distancing, so no fans." Fuck you guys! Yeah. I'm in the corn. You don't even know, <laughs> but I'm watching the game alone. I love that they're doing, and this is not quarantine related, but I love that they were talking about uh, the. I think it was like Yankees, White Sox, and I think it might be somebody else now. Um, but doing the the game at the Field of Dreams on the Field of Dreams field, and they're like pure baseball, blah 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 tickets. Starting at thirteen hundred dollars, <laughs> back back to basics, back to when baseball was good. A second mortgage on your house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah back to when baseball was good. It, one ticket cost ten years of rent in nineteen fifty. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad we're back to basics. Um, I think we have time. For just one remaining segment, I with it, John. we had we've had I will say mixed success. You might notice I haven't released too many pack opening videos lately. Maybe they're coming again soon. I don't know. Hasn't been my priority of late. But I did think, why not buy another thing on eBay, baseball related, and I'll talk to Paul about it. And then I, uh, I'm not gonna lie, this as a tie-in. To my most recent episode I recorded with Jen. Paul Whitehair, how do you feel 
about baseball-related Mad Libs. Oh, interesting. Now, John, where is that? What year was that? What's that copyrighted? It's a great question. I believe the answer is 2017. 2017? Copyright 2017 by Penguin Random House. They're making baseball Mad Libs? And, Officially and, licensed Major League as recent Baseball in 2017? Mad Libs. I can tell wow. you that uh, this retailed at $4.99. I bought it on eBay for about $3 with free shipping. And it's not uh, it's not marked up. Nobody. Now, I, when I told Gina about this, she said, "Don't you think it's going to be filled out?" And I said, "Well, I'm going to read it on the podcast, so I don't really care." Right. But it's brand new, as far as I can tell. I had not been open previously. Beautiful, John. I love it, especially three dollars free shipping. Like, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, um, I, I think was... anything over six would have been too much, but I think three is right in the pocket of a really solid investment in a baseball Mad Libs. And, and if maybe I will do this, and it'll be so good. It'll just be a new segment on literally every episode where I have Paul on. We do one baseball Mad Libs. Now, John, if you could go in further is, so I would love to know how it's organized. Is it a Mad Lib, a team? Is it, uh, is it just like random? It's pretty random. I did look through and pick out what I think is the most promising one to start with. Uh, but <clears throat> I was like, there's some shitty ones. One of them is just take me out to the ball game with a bunch of blanks on it. Ugh, ugh, trash. But then it, it's other than that, there's there's like one that's like an, a very short essay about pitchers who have good fastballs. Ooh, I like that. And there's one that is a Hall of Fame speech. Where, like, you're summing up your career, and then there's one that's about, like, rivalries. But the one oh. I thought we could do is the story. It's called Trading Places. And it's about what it's like as a Major League Baseball player to get traded. Oh, interesting. So we can all learn. So, Paul, can I get a noun? Oh, wait. Before we do this, I am... Not committing this time, but I want us to feel the pressure. We are either going to continue to be funny while filling out this Mad Libs, or I'm going to play this. I'm just going to, whatever audacity will let me do, I will play this at such a high speed that it sounds like fast forward. Deal. So <laughs> it's, up, it's up to us to see how this shakes out. Either way, okay. can I get a noun? Table. Are already terrible. <laughs> Number. Uh, seventy-six. Silly word. Blasphemous. I think I'm going to lock in that we have to uh, use all this now. Because I thought of some more as I was doing this. I already feel like silly word, really good Mad Libs content right there. Yeah. I know when Jen was on the podcast, we did not have a great time doing Mad Libs. But I, I think there's a good possibility that we were just doing a Mad Libs that some intern or some nobody, or as we speculated on the show, Maggie Haberman, was forced to write for the New York Times. And right. they just didn't know how to, they were like, oh, I can fucking write a Mad Libs. And at the end, they're like, God, I don't know if I fucking knew how to write a Mad Libs. And it just well, wasn't very good. 
they're not doing it baseball reference for love of the game like this person probably is <laughs> that, that wrote this book these people they love mad libs and they love baseball and this is their time to shine they're letting it come through can i get another noun uh tree a color purple plural noun sphinxes you're just a good word you're doing a good job noun pyramid okay uh, occupation. Don't say Egyptian or Pharaoh. Um, pharmacist. Now, some listener out there might be like, God, I gotta, gotta finish this episode up. It's taking too long. I'm in a hurry. I want to finish it before I, like, get my COVID test or whatever. And then you're giving me pharmacist. It takes me 10 minutes to write down these long words. Could, I'm struggling. You, you uh, could put pharmacist. Farm Ed, like I think that's their degree, right? I, I would forget. Uh, adverb. Uh, wonderfully. That's an adverb, right? It sure is. Noun. Crate. Place. St. Petersburg, Russia. Last name. Knobloch. That's a good one. Part of the body. Thigh. Noun. Uh, street sign. Plural noun. Trucks. Noun. A lot of nouns here, John. Noun, uh, nouns are the funny. Everybody thinks of nouns as like a person, place, or thing, but they're really just the funniest words. Let's go uh, clerk. Two remaining. Noun. Uh, baseball field. Animal. Jaguar. Now, I wish they attributed these to a specific person so I could credit them. So instead, I will have to credit just the Mad Libs Corporation or whatever. But, oh, wait, wait. Now, I'm going to assume this is an editor. This is probably a a Will Short situation where he just puts his fucking name on every one of those crossword puzzles, but we know he didn't write all those. But Michael T. Riley, not on the I, front of the book, but on the second, on the first page of the book, this is Major League Baseball Mad Libs by Michael T. Riley. If you had to guess, what do you think? What do you think M.T. Riley got paid for this? Twenty. Let's bucks, say you, twenty bucks a Mad Lib. Okay, I think that's probably. I was like, let's let's say he's a freelancer, right? So he's not is not he's he's not salaried, right? He's saying he's doing this for a project. You think probably twenty dollars Mad Lib? Well, you know what? Let's see how funny it is. It could be that this guy is just fucking talented, and, and they they like 
they go to the you know the editor or whoever at Penguin House and like, hey, we need to do a, a baseball Mad Libs. Who we got? And he was like, if you were an idiot. If you don't get Mike T. Riley, you pay him whatever he wants. They're like, like they're like, well, we need to do Mad Libs, okay? And like, the guy goes out and he gets on the corporate jet, and like, he's in Cambodia and he goes into this hut, and he's like, <laughs> "It's got to be you." And he's like, "Why me? Because you're the it's best." Ba- it's basically the beginning of MacGruber. <laughs> yeah, he's got to. But that's I got to find team. him. Yeah. Okay, Michael T. Riley. Let's see what you got. Mad Libs, Trading Places. You were an indispensable part of your team's table. For years, you gave nothing less than 76%. Fans chanted your name, screaming out, Let's go blasphemous. The ballpark sold out your souvenir tree day. Last year, you won the Purple Glove Award and were on the cover of Sphinx's Illustrated. But your cell pyramid just rang. It was the team's pharmacist who wonderfully said you've been traded for a crate to be named later. You've never been to St. Petersburg, Russia, but now you have to help their team win the Novlock Trophy. You called your agent. Okay, now this sentence is very interesting. You called your agent Seymour Thigh. So it gave you Seymour blank, and you fill in the blank with part of the body. Um, so well, this you is know what? Just a Seymour Butts joke. You know what a bunch of twelve-year-olds are going to say? Yeah. Hell yeah. Seymour thighs on the phone. He said <laughs> your contract has a no street sign clause, but it doesn't say anything about trades. So you'll have to pack your belongings, leave only your trucks behind, and rent an apartment in the clerk district of your new city. The restaurants there serve great fried jaguar. So maybe you can re-sign next year as a free baseball field after all. I'm not going to lie to you, John. I quite enjoyed that. I, I, had, thought I had fun well with done. that. There were a couple of clunkers. Free baseball field instead of free agent is rough. But on the whole, I thought it was kind of fun. Me too. The Knobloch Trophy, which I wish that has to be a thing. For like the the like the the biggest stupid mistake of the right. year, that would be well, hilarious. Of the year. Yeah, I thought I thought Mike T. Riley did a pretty good job there. They should rename the Trojan Inn Boner of the Week Award the uh, <laughs> Chuck Knobloch Trophy. There's a deep cut for you, friends. Um, but yeah, so opinion of Mad Libs up, opinion oh. of bogus New York Times Mad Libs way down. Those are worse than I thought. Is real Mad Libs kind of fun? That was a very—I I thought it was very well done. It like had a good story, you know, like had a good story to it. And... Now, like I said, I did kind—I didn't—I look, didn't look at all of them, but I picked through a couple and uh, tried to find one that I thought was a winner. But like I said, I this was like, by no means the only one I thought would have gone well. I do like the idea of a team, like a pharmacist, like a team pharmacist, being like, "Listen, to what I heard, man." <laughs> I know you're probably getting a call from the agent or the or the GM soon, but I was I was giving pills I was yeah. giving pills out to the vice president of player personnel. Like, and he don't told worry, me I'm not going to cut off your source. You're still going to get the <laughs> stuff you need, but it's going to be in St. Petersburg now. That also worked no. out well. He's going to St. Petersburg and he's excited to eat the fried jaguar they have there, which is you might be able. Dave Artman, if you're listening right now, call us. 
I'm sure you've been to St. Petersburg. Let us know what the cuisine is like. Let us know if they have exotic game. We'll wait. I don't think I got the Dave. I, I, I really <laughs> wanted to jump into it. And I was like, this is just going to be you doing the Pat voice again. And Pat and Dave don't sound the same, so it wouldn't work. That's, that's another good thing. Let's make a note. Future episode, Paul Whitehair comes on, and the entire episode is just us doing impressions of everyone. Yeah. The, I guess I'm trying to think. The only one I probably have, and it's just a caricature, is Bill. Where it's like, ah! <laughs> which I think is everybody's Bill impression, which is like, ah, wings. I was going to say, it has to be, like, people who, like, do impressions talk about how, like, they find the word that gets you into the character, the thing to say, the yeah. word or phrase. And for Bill, it's stuff like, chicken wang, something to say. <laughs> yeah. There's some, there's some big And Lee, Lee is, Lee's is like salsa. Oh, John, you not had? Have you not had pineapple salsa? <laughs> you tell me you can't do impressions. What a fucking liar you are. That was that was real. That was real knockdown. I, I, for a second, I was like, if I didn't have the video, I would have thought, damn. I guess at least staying at this house with Paul. That's pretty cool. Good for them. <laughs> well, Paul, it's been a lovely time. Oh, um, John has had a great time. Thank you. We have time for just one last thing. It's plugs. Pat Polk, do you have anything you'd like to plug this week? All right, man. I do. So I've got a product and I've got a show. The show, I, I don't remember if other people have talked about, so I'll just be real quick with it. Um, we started off slowly with it, Jen and I, but we've gotten way more into it, and I just have to recommend the show Succession on HBO. Oh, nice. Uh, we are almost done with season two. There's only two seasons that are out. Uh, we watched the whole first season kind of a while ago and we kind of liked it. The characters are all pretty unlikable. And so I think that made it harder to get into because they're all terrible people. Um, but we got more and more pulled into it. And now in the second season, we're all the way in and we really like it. And I honestly, all of a sudden, like in hindsight, I'm like, this is one of the best made shows ever. Like, I don't know if it's my favorite show, but I think it is one of the highest quality shows in wow. existence. It is so well done. And I, I, but yes, the people in it suck. But if if no one is into it, I recommend Succession. There's two seasons. I think there's eight episodes per season, so it's not a huge commitment. Uh, it's it's very very good. So that's that plug. My media plug. I have a product plug that I have been waiting for. So Let's this do is it. A, all right. Uh, this is a very probably f narrow use case. Um, specifically, it is a lighter, but it is not a lighter for smoking products. It is a, essentially a lighter for like lighting candles or other maybe maybe lighting kindling for a fireplace or something. Lighting small, very very small fires, but not certainly not cigarettes or other smoking products. Um, but it is not a normal lighter. It is not a Bic. Have you ever heard of a USB lighter? I don't know that I'm familiar with this. So I've got it right here. Uh, we The main reason we have this is for candles, because we have candles at dinner sometimes, and we 
sometimes have candles in the bathroom, primarily for Lily. She re- she requires us to light a candle when she goes poop. Uh, and so Jen, we were going through matchsticks, and Jen's like, you know, I've been reading matchsticks, not very good for the environment. You know, it goes through a lot of wood, the the chemicals, blah blah blah. So I'm tr- she tried to find something that would be better. Obviously, ones that are like a Zippo or a butane, those are burning fuel. So this is purely electric. There's a um, micro USB plug to, to charge it. Nice. Uh, and so there it is. But it's a little stick. But it looks and feels like the future. It feels like uh, like a, a futuristic cattle prod that like a stormtrooper might have. But I use it to light candles every day, so I feel cool. Um, so it's maybe eight inches long. There's a safety. They slide out of the way. There's a red button. You see, when you put the safety off, there's this uh, there's this gap here, and you push the button. Oh boy! And there's like a a, a arc welding gap That's of great. pure energy that you can use to light a candle, and it feels so cool when you use it. Also, for this one, I don't know how many brands there are. It has a bright as hell <laughs> green LED light that lights up when you're pushing the button. I guess it 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 certainly is like, hey, by the way, warning, dumbass, you're using this dangerous dangerous thing um but maybe it's also a battery indicator i don't even know we've never really run out of batteries on it um i we recharge it every once in a while but apparently better for the environment feels very cool to use so i plug the usb lighter if anyone needs something to for instance light candles it sounds like a lot of fun i know the listener at home can't see the visual but i mean when you've got that thing lit up at the end there it, it it looks like you're doing something. I mean, I, I'll I do bet some it's fuller. very fun to I'm light gonna, something up, yeah. If I can do this without lighting my face on fire, I'm going to try to get the sound of the lighter on microphone. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's coming through. It's pretty cool. There. That's great. It's pretty cool. So that's my plug. It's a great plug. Uh, it's, I, I, I guess this it's unfortunate, but, uh, well, I guess we, we also have Succession. So mm-hmm. everyone watch Succession, but then other than that, we just have like an Amazon order for everybody as far as plugs because you want to buy a USB lighter, and then I guess this isn't necessarily Amazon; it could be other places. But I broke down recently and purchased a pair of Adidas slides recently, and have been blown away by the experience. I do not know what that is. It, in my mind. The, 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 what could not possibly be what you're talking about? I'm thinking of the turn the late '90s soaps shoes that uh you know have wax on the insole and you can do skating style grinds with your sneakers on. Soaps are what I think of when I hear of a shoe company with a thing called slides. Not that uh, they are just sandals, like okay, not the sandals with the thing that goes between your toes but you just slide on mm-hmm. um i had i got some s- plastic adidas sandals when i was in high school and i found them deeply uncomfortable they had like the big bubble things on the bottom and i'd wear them and they just hurt my feet and i was like i don't like sandals like that i like other things and so i never got any again and then recently i was i was uh, looking online 
and I saw that people, that Adidas and Nike and all these companies sell slide-on sandals that looked much more comfortable. And I acquired a pair from Adidas and I just as far as like house shoes, they have significantly changed my life. And I never walk around the house barefoot anymore. I used to walk around the house either barefoot or with socks on most of the time. Now I find that unacceptably gross and uncomfortable. <laughs> these these sandals I've gotten, I purchased were like, I want to say they were like $35. And they fit perfectly and they are just a dream to walk around on. And I, it's, I'm, I'm never going to go back. I feel like just for the rest of my life, I will have a pair of house shoes, which I, I, I'd never wear out, even like to go get the paper or something. I don't, I don't wear them out front. And if something happens and I do accidentally wear them out, when I bring them back in, I go to the sink and I wash them because I want them to stay clean. I want to be able to wear them around the house and, and be nice and not do anything gross. Uh, it's been a great experience. I really recommend it. Nice. Do you, do you have a house shoe? What is your walking around the house situation? I typically wear socks around the house. I don't like walking around barefoot. I don't wear shoes in the house. I do have slippers that I sometimes wear. I, my feet get hot in general, so they, they get hot quickly in slippers. So it, is, it has to be pretty cold for me to want to wear slippers personally. Uh, so usually just socks for me. I am exactly the same as far as slippers. Even in the winter, like if I get in and I'm cold, I'll put the slippers on. And then like if I'm in a nice heated room after half an hour, I'm taking the slippers back off. But mm -hmm. the, the, the slides are nice and open. Uh, nice. No issues. It's it's a really good time. Uh, fantastic. Pat Polk, I've had a fantastic time talking with you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast this week. Thank you for having me, John. Lovely talking to you as always. It has been lovely. Best wishes in the intervening days.